0: Welcome to Adventures with My Forties. I'm Courtney Novak, a 41-year-old woman trying to figure out how to thrive during this decade of life. You can find the show notes at CourtneyHenningNovak.com. And here's the show. Hello, adventurers. This is episode 18, and I'm recording this on Saturday, December 12th, middle of the day, 2.18 p.m. as I'm hitting record. A very unusual time for me to record an episode, but this was really the first opportunity that I've had. Um, Nathan took the kids to the park, God bless him, and when he announced that he was going to take the kids to the park, I, like a, uh, a mom guilt reflex kicked in and I was like, oh I guess I should go too, and then he was like, we're going to the park so mommy can have a break. I was like, oh God bless that man of mine, and then realized Hallelujah, I'll have a quiet house, and I can record a podcast episode, so here I am. I haven't recorded an episode here since before Thanksgiving. I actually recorded an episode last week for my first podcast, Adventures with Postpartum Depression, called Postpartum Pep Talk, and I just didn't have the time to do two episodes in one week because it's 2020. 2020 and the kids are almost always around and they've been around more than ever this past week because Julian's preschool had a covid case and we don't even really know who it was because of uh, medical privacy but all i know is that his class has had to shut down for the rest of december there was only 2 weeks of school left so he's he was at home all this past week and then he'll be at home this week and his teacher you know, created a packet and there's a uh, computer school but just Julian despises computer school he just and people other parents have noticed that he just like wilts and he's just so like crunched up and unhappy about it it just does not suit his personality at least not at this age so uh, certainly doesn't suit my personality. I, like, I can't blame a kid. So I didn't make him do it and he didn't want to do it, but he did want to do some of the activities in his craft packet. So we did that. And his teacher actually lives in our neighborhood. So we saw her today when we were both out on walks. And she suggested that he come on Thursday because it's more of a holiday party. And he said he'd give it a try. So, you know, and she was like, and if it doesn't work and you want to leave, that's okay. So we'll see how that goes. Sorry, moving around in my chair. I probably should just stop apologizing for th- that for because you all know I'm just noisy and I'm gonna drink my sodas and move around in chairs to get into comfortable positions, yes, yeah, so Julia's been home, and since we don't know, I don't think the kids were really exposed at all, and the we think we know who the family was through some detective work and um They said that their kids tested negative, so possibly we have a parent who tested positive. I don't even know if it was a parent or it's just someone that they were in contact with. So it seems like a very limited exposure, if any, that happened. So we haven't, and we're healthy here. It's been like we're on day 10 and totally healthy. And, um, you know, I'm not even really scared of getting the virus because my naturopath, my physician's just very upbeat and says, like she's got great treatments and that, you know, call her if I feel sick, but like she, you know, she just wasn't like this isn't a death sentence and you, know, you can do this. So I am choosing to embrace abundance and the adventure of this year. I'm having some good days right now. Doesn't mean I'll be having a good day tomorrow or even in an hour. There's a lot of feelings in 2020. So yeah that's where i've been so yeah i had noisy so Pippa, since julian wasn't able to go to preschool we didn't want to expose the two boys she does pod with so she stayed home from pod she was definitely getting grumpier throughout the week because i mean she's an extrovert she doesn't want to sit at a desk by herself doing school but we did our best and you know there's just um one school week left for 2020. And then I am going to just love our break so much. And we are not going back to hybrid for PIPA in January. L.A. school district, which we are not part of. We're in the county, but not their school district. But they've announced that they're just not going back this school year. Our district in Pasadena has said we're still hoping for spring. So I'm just trying to keep my expectations low. Not to be like a pessimist, but not to be an optimist just to be like, we're good now, and we're just making the best of it and having fun and creating good memories, even while living in suboptimal circumstances. And this is also my first day with quiet because we're getting our house painted, and the past few days there was a lot of prep. There was, well, it was just like a hour of power washing, but that was quite noisy on Wednesday, and... Then Thursday was the real sandblasting, and that was noisy. And yesterday was some sandblasting, but not as much. So I couldn't have recorded a podcast episode the past couple of days, even if the kids had been at school and pod. So, taking advantage of Saturday. I'm very excited to have the house painted. We haven't had it painted ever. The house has been the same, like, peach-pink p- peach color that has never done anything for me since Nathan bought the house. And I've always thought it was just too bland because it's like this very like, light peach color with white trim windows, so there's no contrast and the front door is white. So we're, getting, we're painting the house white, we're doing black trim for the windows, and we're getting a teal front door. I'm so excited. Santa is painting the house for me for Christmas. But what I'm gonna talk about today is self-help. And my title for the episode is Putting the Self in Self-Help. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is just cheesy this way. So my definition of self-help is books or classes, podcasts that empower me to become my best self. And this can be in different genres like health or psychology, spirituality or like a mashup of those I, I tend to think of it more as books, but I also consume a lot of podcasts that could fall into like a self-help or an empowerment genre. But I do really think of it as books mainly, just probably because I'm a bookworm and I love books. My history with self-help is that I used to be very curious about self-help books, but also felt like they were a taboo. Um, before that there was, before there was a Kindle or eBooks, I, you know, you had to get your books at a bookstore and you had Amazon, but I know Amazon started when I was in college, but I felt even like wary of buying books off Amazon. I know I bought some books about career change because I hated being a lawyer from pretty much the beginning. So I would have bought those off Amazon, but I still bought most of my books at a bookstore. And I felt very self-conscious about like, the, the possibility of even buying a self-help book. Like, what would the clerk think? Would they think I was, like, you know, a failure of a human being? Um, Buying a self-help book, it just felt like a very, like, shameful thing to me. Like a confession of imperfection, of unworthiness, of just not being good enough. Even though these books were being published, and they've been published, you know, as long as I've been alive, and do quite well and people buy them obviously there's a market for the books so i don't know where the shame element came in that would be something i would probably reflect on like but it is probably all mashed up with um i mean just my whole catholic schoolgirl guilt of just not being good enough and setting high standards i'm sure it's it's not something i can like Boiled down to three or four really tidy, neat sentences for you because, you know, there's society and societal standards and there's marketing and, you know, just the messages we get bombarded by with TV and movies and commercials and billboards. Um, and, you know, I, I know I carried for a long time this attitude about being strong and not Being allowed to be weak and seeing feelings as weakness. And I think seeing self help books as something that was shameful, like, played into that whole aspect of I need to be strong enough to do things on my own, and I can't let people see me having bad feelings, and I just shouldn't even have bad feelings because, like, that's self indulgent. And so I just can't, like, I could spend tons of episodes talking about that and I will keep working on this but just so you know I used to feel a lot of shame around self-help books. I was curious and wanted to read them but I felt like I shouldn't but when I got my Kindle and I don't remember when I got my first Kindle but I certainly had it before I started dating my husband Nathan and we met in 2007 so I got it like either early 2007 or sometime before. Don't, you know, I could go check on my Amazon history, but don't want to. Please don't make me. But the Kindle let me start reading self-help books. Because not only could I get the book without, you know, download the book without having to, like, confront a store clerk. But, and you remember back then, like, to buy a book on Amazon. Like, I didn't have Amazon Prime. Then it didn't even exist. Like, now... I don't think at all about ordering books off Amazon because they're all Prime and they all come within a couple of days with free shipping. But back then, you had to spend like twenty five bucks or something to get the free shipping, and and then it didn't come in two days. And you know, and I, I just really liked going to bookstores. I still do love going to bookstores. You know, but now I make a conscious effort to spend money at the bookstores. Like I just went um, two days ago to buy birthday gifts for two drive-by birthday parties this week. And I consciously want to support our local independent bookstore in Pasadena of Romans because I love them. And 2020 has not been a great year for independent stores. So now, but back then I had to make an effort to get stuff off Amazon. And so with the Kindle, though, it made it really easy. And I could read anywhere with my Kindle. I could go to like a restaurant or a coffee shop or you know just be anywhere and people didn't know what I was reading and that was empowering because then I could read whatever I wanted but I think it also contributed to the old shame idea with self-help because I was being secretive as if I had something to hide and I didn't have something to hide but I didn't know that. And I was just, by only consuming self-help on the Kindle, I was reinforcing the shame aspect that I had with self-help. I, you know, I write notes for what I'm going to do, talk about during a podcast episode, so I don't just free form it for, you know, 30-40 minutes. But when I started writing these notes, I only had like one note about shame. I didn't think I was going to be talking this much about it but just by talking it through I'm thinking this is an interesting area for me to explore about like shame about needing help and not even letting myself get the guidance and help that I sensed I needed long ago because I felt like I wasn't allowed to read those types of books and also the secrecy of the Kindle and how that would have contributed to any of that shame. So that's a note to self. Interesting topic for me to explore. So I was definitely reading self-help books before I started dating Nathan in 2007. And I remember reading um, dating books, relationship books, when we met and probably before we met because, you know, I was single and I was trying to figure out, like, I felt like something was wrong with me. Like, why am I not in a serious relationship? All my um, good college friends were either married or engaged before I met Nathan and it felt like a deep character flaw and I could look back now and see that it wasn't but that's how I felt back then and so that's those are my feelings and they were legit and so I was reading dating and relationship books and I remember reading men are from Mars women are from Venus when I was dating Nathan and that book sort of really helped shape my approach to self-help because there was a lot of stuff in that book that was really helpful to me. Specifically, I remember going to lunch with Nathan and we, we'd been dating for several months because when we first started dating, my office was too far away from his for us to meet to lunch. So, but then my law firm I was working for relocated to downtown LA. So we were at that point several months into our relationship. And so we're like four or five months into dating and we went to this, um, Jewish deli called Langer's and we're it's a very crowded restaurant and you're in booths and we had like this great conversation but he kept looking around the room and I remember thinking like oh he's not into me oh this relationship's not going to go anywhere like because he wasn't making steady eye contact with me and I go home that night to my apartment and i continue and i was in the middle of reading men are from mars women are from venus and i continue reading and the author starts to talk about eye contact and how for men when they're first dating they will make a lot of eye contact because it's they're in like the job interview mindset but as they become more attached to a woman they actually will make less eye contact and that's actually like a good sign with the relationship and so that like took all of this insecurity I'd had from lunch earlier that day and made me realize, oh, <laughs> like, our relationship is not doomed. Like, it's okay. He doesn't have to always sit and gaze lovingly into my idea, you know, into my eyes, like some idea I must have gotten from, you know, TV or all those Sweet Valley High books I used to read when, like, I was about to call them teen romances, but everyone read those books when they were, like, fifth or sixth grade. And that book gave me a really... Um, big attitude about, not attitude, about, um. okay, my brain just did a whole brain fart. Let me back up. What I was trying to say was that I liked that whole, there were a lot of messages in that book about um, relationships between men and women that were actually really helpful for me, but towards the end of the book, the author... I forget what his name is. It's like, I think it's John something. He was talking about letters and he had this big idea about when you have a conflict with your significant other, you should write them a letter and then like leave them the letter. And this was just like, and he was like, this is the way you should do it. And I just remember being like, this does not like sound like my gut is rebelling against this. I don't want to like write a letter to Nathan and be like, this is an issue I'm having. Like, what, like, can't we just communicate face to face or can't I just, you know, like, it just didn't sit right with me. And so I've never written a letter to him. And it was very empowering for me to realize if there was a drinking game with this podcast episode, it would be like, take a drink every time I use the word empower. It was very empowering to realize that there can be some things in this book, like the self-help book that are helpful to me, but then there's things that just don't resonate with me because I am not the author, and the offer's not me, and I don't have to, like, advice is not a mandate. I I can read all the advice, and some of the advice can work for me, but I don't have to take all of the advice. And that is an attitude I have tried to bring with me into all of the books I read that fall into the self-help genre. I actually wrote a list of the self-help books I've read this year. And I feel like I haven't read as many because it's 2020. But, and I also read this book. So the the one I finished most recently is The Wisdom of Menopause by Dr. Northrup. And that was like a thousand, no, maybe like 800 page book, but like, like it's not your standard size paperback, like a bigger size book. So that took forever to read, but that was a great book to read. And it was very much physical, mental, spiritual health, all wrapped into one book. So I recommend that to anyone who, any women in like their 40s or 50s. But really, it was good to read in advance of menopause. Um, So I was glad I read it. Before that, I read Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield, which is for artistic types. And he's a writer and um, sort of about the mindset you you should have as a creative. And that was, um, so that's the type of book I read. Before that, it was so you want to talk about race, which is I don't think anyone would put it in the self-help genre, but to me it felt like a like fit into that, like trying to become a better person. Before that, it was Caffeine by Michael Pollan, which was a exclusive on Audible, so I, it was just a couple hour audiobook about like the history and science of caffeine and our relationship with it as humans. Then Loving What Is um, by Byron Katie. Oh, I have the book right here on my desk. The subtitle is Four Questions That Can Change Your Life, and I seriously think this book has changed my life. Like, the subtitle is not an oversell. The four questions do change my life. Then there was the, This Messy Magnificent Life, A Field Guide by Janine Roth, and Janine Roth has written a lot in the area of women and their relationship to food. Like, I think one is called Women, Food, and God, and one is called When Food is Love, and I've read two or three of her books about women and food and loved them a lot. And this one was a bit about food, but it went way beyond that. And that was a really good read. I reread The Four Agreements. I love that book. I should try the audiobook of that too. It's just one of those books that I feel like I need to, like it helps reprogram my like my default settings. And like it's, it's more spiritual, but it feels like a way self-help of like ways of looking at the world untamed by glennon doyle which i read in like the intense early months of lockdown here in los angeles then change me prayers by tasha silver which tasha is i don't know a freelance spiritualist i don't you know i don't think she can be pigeonholed into one tradition but it was a way of it's called Change Me Prayers, and that's really what it was. It's ways of praying to your divine beloved, however you want to address the divine, and to prayers to change yourself. And that was such a great book for me. I, I use, I now write out Change Me Prayers in my journal most days. I read The Surrender Experiment right before lockdown, so that was timely, by Michael Pollan, who was Michael—no, wait, I think Michael Pollan wrote no, Michael Pollan wrote *Caffeine*. This was a different Michael. Now, now I'm blanking on his last name, but he was also the author of um, *The Untethered Soul*, which is just one of those books that blew me away. And I don't agree with. There's like I have criticisms about the surrender experiment, but you know it's a big thing about just surrendering to where life is, to the things you cannot change, and that was kind of helpful for 2020. Uh, before that, I read *The Road Back to You*, which is a book about the Enneagram which I can't, I'd have to do whole podcast episodes about the Enneagram. It's like a personality system of way of understanding yourself. But like, in, I've been reading books by Christian authors, So it's more, but it's not like you have to be a practicing Christian to enjoy the Enneagram. It's just a way, it's another way of understanding your personality and the work that you are meant to do as in this life and the challenges that you might face, like given who you are. Making Life Easy, which was also by Dr. Northrup, that was my first one that I finished this year. So I've, the last one I finished was by Dr. Northrup, and the first one I finished of the year was Dr. Northrup. But uh, right now I'm reading Warrior Goddess Training, and that one is awesome for any women listening. I could do whole episodes about that. So that's where I come. I take, those are, all over the map types of books that I was reading, but I bring my attitude about self-help to all of those books. Like, you know, I'm going to take what works for me and leave the rest. I have even thrown out self-help books because they felt toxic to me, and they might have felt perfectly good to someone else. There was a parenting book that my therapist recommended, and It just made me cringe. There was something, and she apologized and she hadn't read it in like 20 years. So like her, and you know, beliefs and attitudes about child rearing keep changing. But I mean, and maybe I'd read the book now and actually agree with a lot of it. But at the time, like my whole body just rebelled against that book. And I remember like walking to the kitchen and just throwing it in the trash can with like, you know, slamming it down and just being like, good riddance. And then there was a dieting book that I read, like, two years ago that I ended up throwing out. It was one of those extreme diets, like, you can only eat these types of foods, and, like, it was just so extreme, and it made me feel like I took, like, 10 steps back with my relationship with food. And it was so, like, empowering. Take a drink. It was so empowering to just throw that damn book out. I think I'm pretty sure I took that one straight outside, like, right out to the main trash can like you don't even get to go in the kitchen trash and hang out there you get out of my house get this filth out you know you and i usually give books to friends or give them to goodwill i'm a bookworm i'm a writer I've written books i don't like throwing out books but there's just sometimes you just need to throw out a book it's like the symbolic nature of being like this is poison to me i'm throwing this shit out i also write in my books i And I highlight in them, but I write a lot in the margins, like thoughts, questions, just like, oh, I really like this, you know, things like that. And I don't even usually go back through them in the notes, but it's my way of being an active participant in the book. So when I give books, I keep a lot of the self-help books I read, the ones I really love I keep. And I do actually flip back through them. It's like they're my collected scripture. But... If my books that I have read go to Goodwill and then they're like posted online for Amazon, mine are, you know, like there's like very good condition, excellent, good. Mine is like, poor. We're going to sell this one for like 45 cents because, wow, she highlighted the shit out of this and wrote all her notes. I'd like to know if anyone like... interesting to know like what people think of me when they get my books used and they're reading my notes and they have no idea who i am of course i my handwriting is so messy maybe they can't even read it read my notes and i if you think i am like it's sacrilege to write in your books there was a self-help book on creativity by twyla tharp i think it's called like it has the word like creative in it but she actually advocates like Writing and highlighting in your books to get like really involved in the process. So, you know, it's not just me. It's Twyla Tharp. So, you know, renowned Choreographer, so, you know, don't get angry at me get angry at Twyla So I have all this this great I feel like I've had this great relationship with self-help books and putting the self the me into it because Like not in like a selfish way, but we're all different and unique, and we all have our own life experiences and our own issues and our own strengths and weaknesses, and just our own journeys. And so, just because someone has written a book, doesn't mean it has to be like the end all and be all for me. So I've liked my personal and proactive approach to self help, but over the past couple of years, there's a self help book that I took a little too seriously. It was the Marie Kondo books about um, tidying, the life-changing magic of tidying up. And I actually, last December, just over a year ago, I read some new book that she had put out that was like, um, I like it had pictures and illustrations and like ways, it was more like nuts and bolts about organizing. But Marie Kondo's approach to the decluttering is like, all or nothing. Basically, she's like, you're gonna do your clothes and you have to find every article of clothing in the house and dump them all in the bed and deal with them all at once. You can't do it in bits and pieces. Like, you've got to do it all at once. And that just doesn't work for me. But I got really, like, trying to think of the phrase like it was not a girl crush on Marie Kondo but when I I really got wrapped up in her book and I watched a couple episodes of her show on Netflix and I was really like this woman knows how to declutter and if I'm serious about this I have to do it her way but I have kids and she then she has kids who I think are younger than mine and she has come out since having kids saying like some of my thing like approach things about my approach was a little unrealistic. You know, people can write a self-help book and then at a later stage in their life be like, oh, some of this doesn't apply. But for me, having the young kids, and just the kids I have, like my kids are different than Marie Kondo's kids, but it just felt like overwhelming, the idea of like, I have to declutter all the clothes in one day and then I had to declutter all the books or and, and she had a whole system like you're supposed to do it in a certain order I, I, I think it's like you're building up to like personal items and documents and you' like you start with the clothes or maybe the kitchen I don't remember but it was like a system and so it was great if it worked for you but it didn't work for me and I forgot that I am allowed to be inspired by books. So, like, because I was inspired by her idea of, you know, like, pick something up, and if it feels good, keep it. But if you feel, like, empty inside, or like like a weight, then, you know, thank it for its service and let it go. I don't actually thank things for their service. I don't. But I do like the picking it up, like picking up a book and holding it in my hands. And if I feel, like, a heaviness, it's like, oh, I'm never going to read this book. I'm just keeping it, and I feel guilty, but I spent the money, and maybe noisy truck driving by alert. um, Maybe what I needed to do was buy the book and not read it and realize I didn't need to read it and then just let it go. And so I really was inspired by a lot of things she said about tidying up. It's just that it was sort of like having a guru. Um, I just let it become... This whole, like, she is my decluttering guru, and I must do it exactly the way she says. And if I can't do it her way, then, you know, damned if I'll do it at all. And the house has gotten more and more cluttered. And it's it's gotten to the point where it was overwhelming. And a lot of people were decluttering during shutdowns. And I felt like I don't have the time to do this because I think, and I never followed through on the thought, because I did have the time to do 15 or 20 minutes at a time, but in my mind, it was, you get started, and you don't stop, and I can't do that, and now, I recently realized, I, I, some, I just recognize. I'm like, wow, I let, I have this approach to self-help with all these other books I read, where what works I will take for me, but what doesn't work for me I won't take. And maybe it's something that will work for me later down the road, or maybe it's something that works for someone else I know, but it doesn't work for me now. That I had that I've had that relationship with like so many other self-help books I've read, but with Marie Kondo somehow with like decluttering, maybe it's because she was so popular and there was just so much like you know, condomania about like tidying up. But I I just had this rigid idea in my head, like I have to do it the Marie Kondo way or not at all. And I have been reclaiming over the past couple of weeks, or a few weeks even, my own, my right to declutter in the way that works for me. Like, I used to feel like Marie Kondo has a way of folding t-shirts, and I don't want to fold my t-shirts that way. Or even of like, like you roll everything. I don't want to roll everything. So I don't have to roll everything. Like, why should I feel like I have to do it the way that it works for Marie Kondo? It just doesn't work for me. I want to fold them the way my mama taught me how to fold my freaking laundry. And I am... 41 years old, almost 42, and I'm not going to relearn how to fold my clothes now. And I don't, like, I'm sorry, I'm putting my, no, I'm not apologizing. Like, I'm just not going to fold my clothes the way Marie Kondo said it. But I had this mental block, and it's such a relief to recognize that I somehow let Marie Kondo get under my skin and undermine my own confidence and my ability to just declutter the way that damn well works for me. And it's not Marie Kondo's fault. Like, when you read self-help, to write a really good self-help book, eh, there's just a very, like, confident tone to these books. Like, this is the way it is. Like, they have to be assertive. You know, if you read a really wishy-washy self-help book, like, that's generally not going to be very convincing. And, you know, if it was called, like, like, you know, she called her book The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. But if it was the possibly helpful way of decluttering... Like you'd be no one would buy that book. But when she calls it magic, like and you know, I'm a fantasy nerd here, I'm like, oh, this is the magical way to do it. Like, maybe she just triggered me with the word magic, you know. She she found a way to like get to the fantasy nerd. Like the psychologists are calling it magic. So when I see something, I'm like, Oh, when I'm reading something, I'm like, Oh, this doesn't work for me. Like, I'm I can reject it, or I can say, like, you know, it's not for me. I'm not rejecting It's validity, just that it doesn't fit for me right now. But damn, The Magic of Tidying Up, I really, like, that was a really tough one for me. And maybe I read it at a time when I was, like, particularly vulnerable. I don't remember when I read it. It'd be interesting if I, I don't, I don't have good reads for that. interesting if I could find, like, when I bought the book and read it. But for whatever reason, it got to me. But I have been um, reclaiming my right to declutter in whatever way works for me. So like we did the garage one day for several hours and the kids helped me and the garage feels so much better. Like, I mean, we were like, like you could not walk anywhere in the garage without nearly dying over something and it's back and it's in a great place. And I, I re, I decluttered this little area that I call that we call the nook and the just like one shelf area where I keep all my paperwork and it's like school stuff and you know, school photos and medical paperwork and warranties. It's sort of like, like just like where the working stuff goes. And I had to, I was trying to look for something yesterday and I just took a bunch of it out and cleaned it up and I made huge progress and you know, whole bags of shit went outside and got thrown out. And, but I didn't even finish the shelf I was working on. There's like a box where I throw a lot of electronic stuff and I, like, I think Marie Kondo would be like, oh, my God, you didn't do the whole shelf. Like, you should do the whole nook. But it's like, I don't have the time. I And if I did, I wouldn't have time to exercise or write or do this podcast and do the other things that fill me up. So I just did it my way. And I will go back. And now that I'm building momentum, I'm actually excited. Like, today, me and Peppa did. She has this bottom shelf where she keeps the shirts and pants or shorts that she most wears. And it was bulging. Like we couldn't get the shelf, the drawer to close. And we went through it and she, had, the kids actually enjoyed decluttering with me. So I've been decluttering and they've been getting in on the act. So Peppa was doing this with me and she was like, okay, let's do the closet now. And I'm like, oh my God, no, Like we'll do that tomorrow because that's like, it's overwhelming for me to just do it all in one day. So we're doing it my way. It's not Marie Kondo's way, but it's great. It's the way that works for me. All right. That is enough from me. I need to wrap up this episode before the kids and Nathan return from the park. Uh, I think I'm going to go put on some music and start addressing some Christmas cards, holiday cards, New Year's cards, whatever you want to call them. I hope you are staying sane and healthy wherever you are. I hope you're not in a place that is severely affected by COVID. Look, if you have kids, I hope your kids are going to school. And But, you know, it's 2020, so I hope you're able to enjoy whatever circumstances you have and make the best out of them. I'm thinking of all of you, and, you know, hopefully I'm back next week, but I do have both kids home from school and <laughs> Painter's, so we'll see you about that. Goodbye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Adventures with My Forties. You can reach me through my website, CourtneyHenningNovak.com, or on Instagram at courtney.noback. If you're enjoying the show, subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. Have a great and wonderful week.